Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. This episode of the podcast explores how Gen Z interacts with financial services. We explore Gen Z's digital nature, their preference for convenience, and their global outlook. The conversation touched on various financial tools and solutions offered by respective institutions to cater to Gen Z's needs. We discussed the importance of financial literacy, transparency, and authenticity in engaging and educating this generation about financial wellness. Additionally, we delve into topics such as cross-border remittances, early wage access, and the evolving landscape of financial technology and services for Gen Z. This conversation is part of a special podcast series where we explore the fascinating Gen Z deeper, their relationship with money, how they like to save, spend, and borrow money, their fears and aspirations, and their connections to social issues. Joining me on this episode is Brett Sussman, VP Head of Sales and Marketing at American Express Business Blueprint and Banking, and Keita DeMello, Senior Product Manager at Wise, and Rob Nardelli, Director of Commercial Banking and Strategic Partnerships at DailyPay. Tearsheet thanks our sponsor, Publicis Sapient, for their support. Read more and download customer research about Gen Z and financial services at steezlife.co. That's S-T-E-E-Z-L-I-F-E dot C-O. Now let's talk about Gen Z and their connection with financial services. Great. So Rob, who are you and what do you do? Thanks, Zach. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show today. Appreciate it. Um, My name is Rob Nardelli. I'm the Director of Commercial Banking here at Daily Pay, and it's my job to procure, activate, and manage all the strategic partnerships we have uh, with financial institutions. Great. Welcome to the show, Rob. Nice to to meet you. Nice to have you here. And Keita, who are you and what do you do? Um, Hey there. Uh, So thank you so much for having me as well. Um, So I'm Ankita DeMello. I am a senior product manager at WISE. Um, And specifically what I do is I hit up our WISE account offering um, in North America. Welcome to the show. Nice to meet you, Ankita. Nice to meet you too. And Brett, I know we've met quite a few times, um, but welcome back to the show. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks for having me again, Zach. Uh, My name is Brett Sussman. And I'm a vice president of American Express. I lead marketing in our small business banking area. Welcome back to the show, Brad. Nice to see you again. Um, Let's start with you, Rob. Um, You talk about those relationships with financial institutions. How how do you see Gen Z's preferences for financial services evolving? And what unique challenges or opportunities do you think this generation presents to to FIs? Absolutely. So the... I'll break it down to three things just very quickly, and then we'll circle back uh, to financial institutions. Right? How do Gen Zers consume their media, uh, right? Their food if they want to go somewhere, they're not waiting till eight p.m. Uh, you know, for for Lost to uh, no to- bank hours, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, food, right? You're going to order that typically uh, through an app, uh, and if you want to go somewhere, you're not going to hail a cab. You know, you're going to press a button. And at Daily Pay, the global leader in earned wage access, we feel that your pay shouldn't be any differently, right? It's your money. You've earned it. Uh, why can't you have access to that capital? Got it. Um, and Kita, I'd, I'd like to go to you um, as a senior product manager at Wise. Can you share some insights into how you see Gen Z customers behaving with, with Wise services? Um, and what specific specific features or solutions um, have you guys developed that actually cater to this generation? Yeah, um, really good questions. Um, so kind of going, touching on a few points that Rob actually just made. So, um, you know, we know that Gen Z is a 
very digital um, generation. Uh, they want everything really fast, really quick. Um, so in that sense, they're slightly different to the other generations because they've just grown up with the internet. They've grown up with so much convenience at their fingertips that seeing anything different is almost not acceptable for them compared to other generations who are more used to maybe waiting a bit longer and things like that. So I think specifically for WISE, um, a couple of the things, I wouldn't say that we've built something specifically for Gen Z, um, but the way that our product works um, really does cater to Gen Z. And the reason I say that is because we are digital first, we are mobile first. Um, and so because of that, um, Gen Zs do uh, come to WISE, um, maybe more so than like other generations uh, who might want to see like a, a brick and mortar building and just be like, hey, I want to actually go into brunch. So I think Gen Z's are more suited for that. They they trust that this is going to work and going to operate. Um, but specifically, a few of the features that um, we see Gen Z's um, really using and really appreciating at WISE is specifically the WISE account or our multi-currency account product. Um, so Gen Z's are very global in nature. Um, and again, that comes from having access to so much internet, so much media. They are a lot more global um, as a whole. And so for them to be able to access different currencies, to convert into different currencies, to travel and use the WISE card and spend it in all of these different currencies is definitely something that's very appealing for them. Um, but additionally, on top of that, uh, I think Gen Z also is a generation that is very financially literate or at least hungry for that um, and so some of the things that we try to do specifically to cater to that is to be really transparent about how wise works about how our pricing works about the changes in our product um, and sometimes you think that hey a customer doesn't really need to know all of this but gen z really does um, and they almost think that if you don't tell them that you're hiding something um, so those are the ways in which we're trying to cater more to um to that actual segment. And I think lastly, uh, one of the features where, where we also see Gen Z coming in is for Wise Business. So we have a whole separate account that caters to actually small businesses. Um, and what we're starting to see more and more of is as Gen Z grows up, um, they are going to become this, uh, this business segment. And a lot of them have side hustles um, that will probably spawn into bigger businesses. Um, so we do see them starting to shift to become some of our business customers as well. Thank you. I'm, I'm not Gen Z, but we actually at Tearshape, we use Wise for Business. And so uh, not just an MC, I'm also a customer. Um, <laughs> It's a good segue, I guess, to talk about the business component and Gen Z. Um, you know, we generally talk, we, we frequently talk about Gen Z and, and from a consumer point of view, but from an entrepreneur or business point of view, I'd like to ask you this question, Brett, like given your role at American Express and your focus on the SMB business segment, how's Amex adapting to meet the financial needs of Gen Z entrepreneurs and small business owners? Any trends yeah. that you're seeing on your end? So with the, the rapid evolution of financial technology, you know, small business owners 
particularly the more digitally savvy ones, mobile savvy ones such as Gen Z, they've really experimented over the last few years with a number of back office tools. And there really has been this large proliferation of business apps that they've played with, whether it's for their cards, their loans, their payment processing. And I would argue that it has been great because it's been easy, it's been convenient, but there is a little bit of a downside in that in terms of interoperability. And does it give small business owners that full cash flow visibility that they're looking for? And these so, are the stories of, of of business owners using seven to eleven apps, right, to manage all their ins and outs, right? Uh-huh. It, 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 exactly. And 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 I would argue that there's a moment now, Zach, where small business owners are looking to actually rebundle their back office, and there's a great rebundling happening. And so, you know, American Express is understanding this, and, and what we launched in Q1 of this year is a free digital cash flow management hub for small business owners called Business Blueprint. And it's a one-stop shop to see your money at rest, your money in, your money out, all in one place with easy-to-use visualization. And it also has tools from American Express, such as a business checking account or a business line of credit. But it also allows you to put in other institutions, external institutions, external banks, external cards. Um, And so it really is about giving a full picture to the small business owner, because that's really, I think, what they're craving. And they're craving that really on their phone, not on their desktop anymore. And so if you can do that right, and and, and that's really where we're pushing to to, to cater to Gen Z entrepreneurs, uh, is going to be really powerful. Before we go further in our conversation, I wanted to call out that Publicis Sapiens Dave Donovan, EVP of Financial Services, has been banging the table on the need for banks to get serious about serving Gen Z. Dave means business and believes that banks face a huge threat here if they don't get it right. I spoke with him about how to connect with Gen Z and how banks can do it better. My name is David Donovan, and I'm an Executive Vice President with Publicis Sapien. I lead our financial services vertical in North America at Publicis why doesn't financial services in general get Gen Z? What, what, what's going on there? Well, I don't think that they've taken the time to really understand the demographic. And you know, Gen Z is a lot different from millennials, and it's a lot different from baby boomers. And I think banks have been comfortable thinking that they understand uh, a certain demographic that works for them. And Gen Z represents a much different demographic. For one, They've grown up with, you know, with technology. You know, they're they're digital first, and for banks, banks have have evolved into technology. It's not something that's a, a comfortable muscle memory, you know, muscle for them, but it is a very comfortable muscle for Gen Z in in all aspects of their life. It sounds like what you're saying, Dave, is like you can't just do a marketing campaign and expect to reach Gen Z for a product that doesn't necessarily resonate with them. No. No, I mean, banks, they need to understand and connect with Gen Z in a much deeper way. And, you know, the best way to do that is through leveraging digital tools and through transparency and being authentic. One thing that Gen Z values more than anything is authenticity. And banks, I'm not saying that they're not authentic, but they're not always transparent. No, banks aren't necessarily known for that. And to do business with Gen Z... The way our institutions communicate will need to change. Our research shows that authenticity, even for brands, is really important for Gen Z. Financial institutions will have to walk their talk 
if they want to build rapport and trust with their youngest customers. I'd like to zoom out and ask you know a question to, to all three of you. Um, you all have like different perspectives uh, and and where you touch Gen Z users. Um, I'm curious about. You know, let's just talk about the role of financial technology and apps. We talked about this, Brett mentioned this, in empowering Gen Z to better manage their finances and payments and how these tools may affect financial inclusion and accessibility. Rob, you want to take it first? Sure. Uh, so we recently uh, ran a Harris poll commissioned by Funding Our Future and Daily Pay. Uh, and that poll that that we helped commission found that 96% of Gen Z hourly workers find managing their finances to be stressful. This was the highest of all the categories. So when you think about, um, I mean, and I also find managing uh, finances stressful, but specifically, how can you help folks? And Gen Zers, uh, I think the, the average is 30,000 in college debt for those that graduate. So you want to add that layer of complexity uh, on top of it. And mental health is, is a very serious you know, issue that we're working through in this country and across the globe. Well, at Daily Pay, we have the ability for folks to unlock their wages as they earn it in real time and not having to wait until regularly scheduled payday. And when you think about it, all our bills do not come neatly tucked and tied on payday, right? It happens, life happens between paychecks. So here's a tool that allows folks at any time, right? You can see the available balance on the app. So if and when you need access to those wages, you can do so by the click of a button. I get that. How about you, Ankita? Yeah, that's really cool, um, Rob. I, I, um, I think that's a really cool feature. Um, thanks for sharing that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think one of the big things about, um, you know, Gen Z and sort of this, this idea of like education and empowering them to, um, to feel like they have ownership of their financial payments, services, whatever you want to call it. I think that the way that I see Gen Z really harnessing that is they use multiple products, right? They're, they're seriously speaking, they're not the most loyal generation to like a particular bank or a particular fintech. Um, and I think that's what's really going to change the landscape of fintech, because you no longer have this generation that is going to bank with one bank and do everything with one bank and stay super loyal for decades to come. What you are going to see is a generation that is very hungry and very eager for change for the best products. And if you are not the best, they will go find it somewhere else. Um, and so what I think that what that does is it forces companies to really think about how to be relevant, how to put the best product out there. And I think for Gen Zs themselves, I think it actually just helps educate the future generations to come to say, hey, these are the best products out there, this is what you should be using. I think Gen Zs, again, because of their digital nature, they switch between what, like 20 different apps a second, probably. So they don't have an issue working with multiple different products. And I think on some level, that's that's really exciting. I think that pushes the barriers of competition. It pushes the barriers of, you know, digitally advancing. Um, and I'm just excited to see you know, what else, what else comes up and what, what new products come out as a result of their behavior as a generation. It's interesting because what you're saying, Kita, is like this lack of loyalty. And we hear that across the, 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 
you know, the spectrum from a lot of our guests on the show, but simultaneously, you know, there are, there are bundled solutions that help to, to provide more value, like Brett was saying. So Brett, how, how do you guys see it at Amex, like given these different, different um, forces at work here? Yeah, you know what? You know, I often was was growing up in a family of small business owners, and and what they used to say, and and not Gen Z is 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 cash is king, right? And they would talk about the cash, right? I think what happens now in such a digital savvy world is cash flow is king, and actually having access to that and seeing it is what it is what's king. And we did a recent survey, and this was a staggering stat to me, which was. of small business owners are passing up on growth opportunities in a year because they don't know if they have the cash to fulfill on that opportunity. You know, and it can be an example as easy as you're a small designer, you finally get a a big box retailer, you know, to tell you that they're going to take a big order. And it's great and it's scary because you don't have that money up front and you don't know based on the ins and outs of whether you can pay for that to buy the cotton, the zippers, the linen, whatever it is, right? And so that's why I think back to this cash flow visibility is really where we're focused, right? And it is bringing in from a myriad of sources, because I would agree with the earlier commentaries that they're looking at multiple financial institutions for the best and most authentic product. But if you can see what's happening from your cash, and then they have the chance to pick the best product for them, such as a working capital loan, that could be a line of credit, that could be a term loan, it could be for multiple institutions. I think that's really going to be the game changer is understanding the data and then picking their options based on the data that's very endemic to their business. It's interesting because we've been talking about these trends uh, uh, as long as I've been doing this podcast, which I don't even want to say how long it is, but let's just say this is over, uh, over episode over 600. And, uh, but it, it's really seeming to, um, we're seeing it now, like the, 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 the clarion call of what open finance, you know, promised. I think we're just beginning to see like how all these things are stitched together. Rob, I want to go back to you. Um, what are some of the key features and strategies in daily pays approach to providing employees access to earned income before payday? Uh, and how does this service contribute to improving Gen Z's financial wellness? Okay, so this one's important. Uh, I'm going to go back to the poll, uh, which said that 43% of Gen Z hourly workers are saving less than they were a year ago. And we ran this study in July of this year. That's a concern. Um, What we have at Daily Pay, uh, in terms of bells and whistles, uh, we have what's called the save feature. Uh, You know, pretty straightforward messaging here, but with a different twist. So with our save feature, uh, you're allowed to pull your earned wage access. So think about it. You work today. You get. You should be getting paid today at no cost. The the save function is at no cost. We can send twenty bucks. Uh, you know, fifty bucks, two dollars, whatever you can afford, and put it in a separate savings account. And you can start entire- building those habits. Yeah. Oh, Atomic Habits? I wasn't going to plug it, but yes, uh, <laughs> I, I read the book too. Um, and what you what, what you would want to call that is not your savings account, right? Savings, we already know managing <laughs> finances is stressful. But what if you called that account a laptop or you called it a car or eventually one day a home? Now you're really helping folks, not just unlock working capital, but helping them on their financial wellness journey. 
I want to go back to you, Ankita, because um, you mentioned about Gen Z being um, international. And I, I know even before we started recording, you were telling a little bit about your own story um, in your own life. But um, can we talk about that? How how wise is building for this international perspective that Gen Z has? And and what's been interesting to watch your evolution as, as a financial services company is um, really building in banking into into that so that it's not just a you know a, a, an unbundled single app that helps to you know with money transfer but really provide sort of a home base for people can you can you talk about how how you yeah. guys see that yeah yeah of course um so wise has been around for you know 10 plus years now definitely started as a money transfer company and I think over the years what what shaped the shift in direction to, hey, we're actually an international account, was our customers and was our customer base growing and changing. Um, that's not to say that Gen Z don't send money abroad. They 100% do. Um, whenever we interview our customers, you'll often find, um, you know, certain certain people saying, hey, I decided to take dance lessons and my teacher actually lives in Turkey or and you're like oh okay I didn't know you could do a dance lesson on zoom but again these are things that like blow my mind I'm like wow this generation is so different and so um so impressive in terms of seeking out and going and finding them things themselves but in terms of the global nature of it and how they really are super international a lot of them seek opportunities internationally. So that could be this example of, hey, I want to learn a thing abroad. That could be, I want to study abroad. I want to travel abroad. I want to start up my business and pay people who live abroad. And so all of these things started coming together and we realized that people were using WISE as an international account. And we started building features to support that. So some of our biggest features, um, which maybe WISE is less known for, is the ability to receive money, actually. So maybe um, maybe you live in Singapore, but you are a freelancer and you can now get paid in U.S. dollars because we offer the ability for you to have a local U.S. bank account number and a routing number and you can actually get paid. Um, so all of these things play a really huge role in Gen Z's lives and particularly with the effect of the pandemic and this whole shift to remote work, which we also know Gen Z quite like. Um, that's a whole other thing of being able to use this account in that way to facilitate um, you know, remote work, um, traveling while you're working, all of these different things. So I think that's really how it, it comes together for WISE and what we're seeing. Interesting. Um, Brett, I want to go back to you and, and talk a little bit about what you're seeing with Business Blueprint and and how Gen Z users are are different than um, other demographics, maybe from a behavioral point of view. Are there are specific tools or solutions they find more appealing at Amex? So we, we recently did a survey the second half of the year and, and around uh, small business owners and their attitudes towards towards AI. And I would argue that um, small business owners are very AI curious. And that is particularly led out by Gen Z. So we found 41% of small businesses are testing with AI these days. And that number is, is well above that for, for Gen Z. And I think, you know, what you can imagine is they're, they're just so comfortable trying new technology. 
um, and they're so focused on efficiency that some areas like that is is very exciting and appealing to them. And and really the big use cases to start are things like making servicing easier. You can imagine chat functionality making your marketing much more rapidly agile, testing new copy and things of that nature. So that's one area where I think really you'll see Gen Z really lead out in terms of their AI adoption. I think another area, and this is something that we've talked about with um, as the holiday season approaches, hiring is a big topic, as you can imagine. And and 68% of Gen Z business owners are looking for seasonal employees this holiday season. And what do they turn to? They're turning to social media. They're turning to social media to hire, right? I think we all know about social commerce, but social hiring is also a very real aspect of it. And I think that goes back to the ethos that a lot of us talked about of you grew up with crowdsourcing, looking for trusted recommendations on products you would buy. Why would that be any different when you become a business owner and are looking for people to invest in? And so I think that, you know, some of those tools that are there today, they're adopting them quicker and they're just using them in different ways that I think we didn't initially think small business owners would do with it. Very interesting. Um, and Kita, I want to go back to you. Um, let's talk about cross-border remittance. We talked about different, you know, use cases and uh, that that Gen Z is looking for. Um, given Wise's roots, there, like, what, what are you seeing in terms of cross-border remittance? Yeah, I think this is a hard one to sort of answer in a single line. I I think again, just the nature of our customers is very different across the globe, right? So what I mean by that is you might have a certain segment of Gen Z who, let's say they're from countries like India or Mexico or Philippines, and they have come to the US, um, they have maybe just got a job, and they are choosing to send money back to their families. Um, that's a certain type of customer. And I guess mm-hmm. I wouldn't classify that as, hey, that's only Gen Z. Right. That is a use case that we see across the board. Um, I think what I'm trying to say, though, is that that idea of sending money back home is still very much in Gen Z as well. I think that there was initially this thought process of, is that going to go away? Um, But it's very much not. Um, It is still still very much a thing that we see in our data um, that comes through. So I'd say that's one big thing. Um, But the other thing, again, with with cross-border remittances as well, one of the things that we also see is the facilitation of, you know, customers maybe purchasing something. So it's like this whole, um, like, it's not really like an e-commerce transaction, but it kind of is in a way. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, I want to, um, you know, I want to buy that thing from you and this is the best way to get it. Um, I think Gen Z are just a lot more open to buying things that they've not seen physically before and getting it shipped to them or whatever that might be. Um, I still am not. I want to go into the store and try my dress on, but okay. So I think Gen Z are just a lot more open to that. So we definitely see a lot of that as well. Um, so overall, I think that my my point here is I think cross-border remittance, even with Gen Z, is going to still be very strong and will continue on the path that we have seen for the last few decades. How about um, Rob and, and Brett? How, and obviously, what role does this sort of managing international relationships or in, interna- international transactions play in your own businesses? 
Mm, uh, great question, Zach. Uh, and we did just announce last month our most recent strategic partnership with Bank of Montreal. Um, and our, oh yeah, BMO. So it sounds like you bank with them. <laughs> no, I don't. We just had we just had an executive on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So we're actually working with them uh, as we have expansion plans uh, to grow internationally, uh, and we included that in our article. Um, but getting back to your point, in terms of the world's becoming a smaller place, and with cross-border remittance, I love that example. Uh, and, and and before we got on, uh, I, I did admit I, I got married recently. I'm old fashioned. We did our wedding dance classes in person here in New York, uh, but I probably would have saved a few pennies <laughs> had I done it internationally. On and Zoom. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would have been probably a lot more economical. <laughs> and uh, but then, how do you pay those folks, right? And then, and worse yet, uh, even if if you set them up with the ability to to make that cross border transfer, what if they just don't have the funds today? And that's that's in our R and D lab of who we might be able to partner with uh, to get those payments out to those that need it, uh, especially the most when we talk about the underserved uh, and being able to serve those folks. Um, so uh, very excited about what you were saying, and I, I meant what I put in the chat. I'd look forward to having a future discussion with you and your company. Awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I think just on that topic of like um, you know the underserved, and you know we also see in a lot of different countries, there's a whole, there's a whole population that has just skipped the banks, right? Like they've just gone straight to, straight to the apps or straight to whatever is super instant and digital. And I think that's the thing at WISE from a cross-border perspective that we're trying to tap into the most is as a company, we've been so focused on the sender, but there's also a big shift of like, hey, who's, who's receiving this money and are they receiving it in the way that they need it? And in the way that they can use it instantly in a manner that's still cheap, that's still affordable for them. Um, and that's been a big driver as well of the sender growth, if the recipient can access that money instantly and in a way that's good for them. Totally. Yeah. And if, if, ahead, if I would just add, Zach, on, on you know, I, I think like the importance of, of, of cross-border and international to small businesses, because at times you don't think there's a role there, but it actually, I think, is becoming increasingly prevalent in, in two areas. The first is, you know, there's been an entrepreneurial boom coming out of the pandemic with over 10 million small business owners created in the, the last two years, 40% above pre-pandemic rates. And often what they're starting is, is an online business, right? Because that's cheaper, easier to start up. And, and what you know with an online business is your footprint doesn't have to be your home state or your home region. That can be global. That can be regional here. Um, and so, you know, cross accepting cross-border payment is really important on, on the website. So that's a big aspect that, that, that small business owners are grappling with, which maybe they didn't grapple with before. And the importance of, you know, engineering and, and, and hiring, and that hiring is no longer just has to be within your country, right? It really can be finding the best developers of the, def the best people globally. So I think that is really interesting and, and some newer problems that small business owners are grappling with, but exciting upside in terms of getting an access to a no customer base or great colleagues that they couldn't get before. That's a great point. Um, as we get you know, towards the end of our conversation, I want to end with a uh, discussion around financial education and literacy. And I'm curious to hear from each of you how financial institutions and fintech companies um, approach financial education and literacy among Gen Z and, and what role your own institutions are playing in empowering this generation 
uh, to make informed financial decisions. Brett, we can start with you and we'll go back the other way. Sure. So, you know, I think we we talked about with with Gen Z, you know, can you build enduring relationships with them or not? Right. I think that was a very interesting conversation we had earlier. And I, I would say one of the pieces that we believe will be enduring is their need for financial literacy and their desire for it to be authentic. And so that is really why we believe that, you know, this, this open finance world of visibility from your all your institutions is going to last for this generation. Um, and, you know, I, I think what you build on top of that visibility is um, recommendations, and that could be AI generated, that could not be AI generated, but those recommendations need to continue to be authentic. And the authenticity is hey, we may have great products from our financial institution that does this well, but there are also other products out there from other financial institutions. And I think that's a change, right, of where, you know, kind of the recommendation always felt slanted to the existing financial institution. And I think if we can show and provide the transparency of, you know, products one institution has versus the other, that's going to be really helpful. And 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 that's where really I, I hope the future is that visibility with recommendations and then full transparency so the business owner can compare their needs you know price cost and other terms and conditions all in one place how about you ankita yeah um i think i I totally agree with your your point spread especially around um the part about being authentic as well i think um i think one of the common misconceptions which I've made myself um, about Gen Z is that, you know, they just have less of a tolerance for, you know, mistakes or for, you know, certain certain things like they want you to always do things right. And there's a big cancel culture and all of that. But I actually don't think that that's true. I think I think Gen Z, they do get it like they have grown up around millennials and other generations as well. But I think that they just want businesses as a whole to be honest and authentic and whatever it is that they do. Um, And so I think if that's the mindset, I think that's what they expect. So even from a financial standpoint and from a financial literacy standpoint, I think being transparent and being honest about whatever it is that you're setting out to do is is really, really key for them. Um, And that's what we really try to do at WISE is to make our communication simple, like understandable by anybody who can, who wants to read it. I will say though, that it is, it is a tricky balance as well, because our customers are global in nature and come from lots of different generations. And so we sometimes get, you know, customers from other generations or businesses who, who want the fine print detail, who want things to be explained in a way that looks very similar to what maybe a bank would would show. Um, so we're really trying to cater to a lot of people at the same time. And I think that's that's probably one of our biggest challenges that we have as a as an industry is how do you maintain trust across so many different generations when their needs are all quite different. Um, so I find that a really interesting topic. I I don't think we've solved that. I don't know if I've seen anyone out there in the market that solved it super well. Um, but yeah, but I think that's at least how we're trying to tackle it at WISE. And I think that it is it, it is a really important factor for Gen Z. I appreciate that. How about you, Rob? 
Yeah, I really appreciate those that those insights from Brett and from Ankita. Um, when it comes to financial wellness, which is the whole reason why I exited uh, the banking sector, although as aforementioned, still working very closely, uh, was the ability to innovate and truly help folks, serving the underserved, helping folks wherever they are in the financial wellness journey, and helping them move forward. Um, I think it has to happen in three steps and in order, which is inspire, educate and give them the tools to succeed. If you just educate and you don't inspire, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. Uh, and if you've seen some of these budgeting tools that that others have put forward, uh, they don't really, uh, they're not very interactive. Uh, they're pretty boring to read through, even though they are helpful tools. What if you could inspire folks, make things simple enough that anyone could understand them, uh, and then educate? Right through that lens, people that actually are motivated to save for that laptop or for that car, uh, and then you got to give them the tools to succeed. Meaningful tools like the save feature uh, and others that are out there, but communicate that in a way that drives their inspiration first, and then educates them about the tools that are available to them. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, providing context around education to really make it actionable and uh, and exciting in a way. Um, I want to thank the three of you for joining us on this podcast. I've really had an interesting conversation. Thank you. Likewise, Zach. Yeah, thank you for having us. Really appreciate it.